you know, it's because you realized it wasn't there, you know, so there was a space. And so for me, that's where love enters, is where we notice that there is an opening. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Dharma Talk. This is episode number 29, and I'm your host, Henry Winslow. Right now, I'm thinking about how lucky I am to be connected in this digital era to people all over the world. A few months ago, I had the privilege of interviewing Kino McGregor on this show. It was episode number nine. And at the time, I had never met her before in real life. And that is the power of technology. But the real power is that later on, we did get to meet in person and it enriched our relationship that much. So I'm so grateful for this podcast and social media and all of these tools that we have at our disposal these days to really bring people together and expand our consciousness in that way. And now Kino is here in New York City. I'm really excited to go take her classes up at Pure Yoga in the Upper East Side. If you live in New York, maybe I'll see you there. Now about this week's episode. This week, I got to interview another international superstar, a young woman by the name of Talia Sutra. And Talia is someone I met in New York several years ago, but since then, her life has totally changed. She's now married, a mother, and lives in Israel and Jerusalem. But one thing that has not changed is Talia continues to teach and share every single day. I know that you're going to love this episode. Talia and I talk about love and what that means to her. And we talk about two ways to become a prisoner of your body. One of them may surprise you and how she manages to stay free through her practice. We discuss a telltale indicator that we are not existing or operating in love and how to course correct. She explains why many people are afraid of empty space and true presence and how that fear can cause fragmentation and dissatisfaction with life and our relationships. And finally, Talia shares how she consciously frames her her perspective around pain and discomfort for the better. So stick around through these announcements and we'll dive right into this interview with Talia Sutra. New York City yogis. I am very happy to say that my recent workshop at Yoga and Fitness Herald Square on backbending for health and joy was a success. The students were very happy and the studio has decided to bring it back as a three-part series. So if you missed out on the first one or if you did the first one and want to do it again, we are holding backbending for health and joy on October 6th. 20th and November 10th. You can do one or all three. I'd love to see you there. Sign up at henrywins.com slash events. For those of you located elsewhere, I've got some travel dates coming up that I hope you can join me for. On October 11th through 14th, I'm going to be at Original Hot Yoga 305 in Miami, Florida. Then on November 16th through 18th, I'll be in Richmond, Virginia, my hometown at the Yoga Dojo. The following weekend, November 24th and 25th, I'll be at Hot Yoga Richmond. And for the Miami and Hot Yoga Richmond dates, I'm traveling with my wife, Veronica Lombo. We've got complimentary workshop offerings, and we hope you can make it. Sign up at henrywins.com events. At Lighthouse Yoga School in Brooklyn, New York, we are currently enrolling our next 200-hour teacher training for January 2019. So yoga teachers looking to level up your teaching, aspiring yoga teachers who want to do your first training, or yoga students who just want to take their practice a little bit deeper. You can get more information about that also at henrywins.com slash events. And if you apply now using my referral code, henrywins, you'll save $100 on your tuition. There's no fee to apply. So go ahead, put your application in, drop the referral code and lock in $100 off. What's your purpose? What's your vision? What mark will you leave on this planet long after you're gone? I'm Henry Winslow, and you're listening to Dharma Talk, 
the only podcast where I interview inspirational yogis on how they're changing the world in their own unique ways. Whether you're still searching for your purpose or already walking the path, I hope these stories get you excited to live your dharma. Hello, Dharma Talk community, and welcome back to another episode. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Talia Baderman, sometimes known on the internet as Talia Sutra. (laughs) Talia was born in Israel and, as a child, moved to New York with her parents, both of whom have had a deep impact on her spiritually. Yoga and meditation entered her life when she was just six years old, when she witnessed her mother's faith in yoga to help heal her lymphoma. Talia has been teaching yoga herself for about nine years now, and more recently she moved to Jerusalem on a whim, and since then she's become a mother and life partner to her husband Ezra. She continues to teach around the world, write, and share every day. Talia, I'm so happy to have you on the show today. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you, Henry, for having me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. We start all these conversations with the same uh, kickoff point, the same first question, and today will be no different. Talia, what does the word dharma mean to you, and what is your dharma as you understand it today? Well, first of all, I guess the first thing that comes to mind to me is like the face of Dharma Mitra, you know, just because, you know, I feel like that word to me is connected with him and, and his face and the studio and brings me back, um, brings me back to those days. But, um, I suppose Dharma could be, brings up a place of, uh, purpose and path, uh, uh, almost even devotion because I feel that it's a sacred, there's a sacredness to it. Um, I guess those were the first images or or mm-hmm. words, associations uh, that come to mind. Mm-hmm. I, I love that you answered with, with the face of, of Dharma Mitra. Yeah, um, how wonderful else, is that? Yeah, no, I love his <laughs> smiling face, and, and, yeah. and nobody else has, has mentioned that. Um, I, do you know the story on and how he took on that name? Or I, I assume he was, that wasn't his given name, but I could be wrong. No, I don't think that's his given name. He's from Brazil. Um, And, you know, who knows? It probably, it either came to him, you know, it either just came to him one day or that word really resonated with him. Right, Right. Or his guru, I forget the name of his guru. I feel like I've heard the story, but I I don't know. I don't remember. Well, I'll have to ask him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm not the best with with facts. Like that's not my my thing. Mm-hmm. But I remember that it had something to do, I think, with his guru. And I think it's kind of nice taking on a, a new name as you realize your dharma. Perhaps that was it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, because when I, I know, like when I realized I was going to go on my own uh, yogic path, um, a name. You know, rarely does anyone introduce me as Talia Baderman. Uh, but as it, but you know, when I decided or felt or accepted that yoga was to be, you know, my devotional path and my service to others, uh, the name or the word sutra just came to me, and I knew that it would be uh, something that would allow me to complete or really f- completely accept this transformation and um, this service. So sometimes, you know. A word can help. I'm I'm a big word person, so I understand why. I could understand how, like, uh, giving yourself a name could really help establish a sort of a commitment to something. For sure, yeah. I mean, and names are some of the most powerful words that we have. I, it's mm-hmm. so closely tied to your identity, and I can appreciate the decision to um, to commit yourself to something by by changing the the way that you go by. Um, so I, I love that. Yeah. Thanks for sharing your, your why behind that. Yeah. Uh, so Talia, what does, what does your yoga practice look like these days? I know you've been practicing and teaching for quite some time now and everyone that I talk to seems to have, um, something in common, which is that their practice has evolved. Um, so what does your practice look like and maybe how has it changed over time? Um, well, let's see my practice 
Well, I suppose, you know, this is something that I always kind of find tricky to answer. And I, I think you saw one of my recent posts about this and commented on it as well. Um, you know, when I, one of the questions I get asked often, I get so many questions sent my way every day. And one of the questions I get is, um, how do you, how do you practice essentially? Like, how do you get to actually do it? Because I find that really hard says, you know, so-and-so. And while I can understand, I think that the difficulty to, to start a practice is, first of all, in how we perceive it. So if it becomes, it could be another thing that we have to do, then it becomes very unappealing. And so for me, my, my practice has never been a thing that has to do with doing or accomplishing. And I remember very clearly when I realized that that wasn't the case for others. I didn't realize that I wasn't doing it for like a, a goal until I met others around the time of my teacher training that I saw were very interested in like getting something, like getting mm -hmm. this pose, like getting this and that. And I, I didn't think it was a negative thing. I just remember realizing, oh, this, this is like, like that's different. This is different. That's yeah. That's that's different. I don't remember. And it, what, there was one person in particular who became quite a close friend for a while, uh, and I, I, I really, I really f remember feeling, wow, that's that's really different. How she practices, like she is. It seemed, it seemed to be. Uh, a much, much different approach. So I think uh, to answer your question more directly, um, my practice, first of all, consists of a high degree of gentleness. I'm very gentle with myself. Uh, I've always been. And I think my that's my first approach is it comes not from an outer place, but from an inner place of gentleness and kindness. Um, I like to take my time, uh, which is especially a gift now as a mom, you know, because I have not very much time, but I never, I'm not rigid. I'm not rigid physically, obviously, but I'm also very open uh, with myself and, and give myself flexibility with, with the days, with the ways that my days develop. So for example, if, I wake up at five, as I often do, to be with my son. I play with him and feed him and, you know, read him books or whatever we do. We go outside for a walk in the morning. Um, and then around eight, he goes back to sleep. At that point, I have a choice. And some days I'm like, well, I'd really like to just get back in bed now. And so on that day, that's my practice is that surrender. Okay. Mm. And there are other days where, like today, where actually I was like, uh, on, I could like, you know, immediately knew I wanted to get on my mat, you know? So today, for example, my practice was, um, at 8am, I got my mat on the floor. I had a matcha ready. Um, I sipped on my matcha for a while. I listened to, um, a talk by Eckhart Tolle. And I find that listening to people who inspire me, helps me to get in the flow of things. I like to listen. So um, I listen to him while I'm like drinking on my, my matcha and I do some deep breathing. And then I just start to move, you know, and, and usually in the morning, um, I, I like to just stay deep in postures. I like to stay in a lunge for a long time. I like to stay in a, in a in like a form stand for a long time for a couple of minutes, uh, rest like in like a puppy or, you know, so it's not my, my what I, I guess what I'd like to say is that my, pra my practice is, is gentle. I don't know if you said, what did you, or did you use that other people feel that their practice is enhanced? Um, I feel like my practice has... Oh, the uh, word I used was evolved, just that it evolved. changed to, to meet their different needs over over the course of their yeah. teaching career or their life or whatever the case may be. Yeah, yeah, I guess I could say it has evolved, um, but 
maybe the better word would be that uh, it's become it's become more insightful to me. Mm-hmm. It's become it's become closer to me. Um, it just feels completely different. I, I think also not being in New York anymore, you know, because I don't, I don't I don't know if I know where where you're from, Henry. Completely, are you are you from New York? No, I'm originally from Virginia, so I, I can appreciate the contrast of living in yeah. New York versus basically yeah. anywhere else. Yeah, and that, yeah, that energy can. is palpable. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you know, spent like 20 years almost in New York City, and that's a long time. And and I think stepping away from that, it also changed my practice a lot. But what changed my practice, or I guess evolved it so that I can to the stage where I am now where it feels quite gentle and and very kind and uh, I was never rough on myself as a as an you know as a practitioner but I think it's become even more even more uh, connected and deeper um, I think motherhood is a lot to do with that yeah. Uh, I think I think where I'm at in life, you know, uh, and I think my uh, my setting. I think where you, it's very hard to talk about anything without the like background or like your surrounding or environment that you're in. So in New York, feel that even though I'm a pretty like uh, chilled person, even in cities, I think that my practice was probably a lot more intense and was influenced by by the intensity of the other practitioners and of just everyone around you you know it's just kind of like it doesn't stop so I think over here although Israel is also not exactly you know (laughs) it's also like it's similar actually the energy here especially in places like Tel Aviv and Jerusalem is quite intense uh, the people are very similar to New Yorkers, but but still, there is something a little bit uh, more quiet about it. Yeah, and that, yeah. that context, yeah, is absolutely contagious. I can certainly relate to that. And I think even if you're moving from one metropolis to, to another mm-hmm. bustling city, even just to be able to remove yourself and um, and, and see a difference kind of gives you a little bit more clarity about what is you and what is outside of you. And, and maybe that mm-hmm. contributed to your ability to kind of dial it back a little bit and, and come into your natural state, which is a little bit more gentle, as you put it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I um, agree with that. Yeah. And to go back a little bit earlier, you were, you know, sort of contrasting your approach to your practice versus some others that you've witnessed about, you know, re- actively reaching or, um, or setting an, an intention for some sort of goal, whether it's a posture or otherwise. Um, I'd love to dig a little bit deeper on that too, because you're clearly very committed to your practice. Um, it seems to me that um, it's more about having some sort of internal dialogue versus setting an intention. Um, but correct me there, or, or, or fill in the gaps there. What is it that, that brings you back onto the mat? I think uh, I think it's uh, let's see what brings me back to the mat. Well, I I don't think I ever really stepped away from it, you know. So like, mm-hmm. I think that I have a commitment, like I said, to the yoga practice, and asana is a part of it for me. So. I take care of my body because I know that, first of all, I'm very inspired that there are people who look up to me and I'm very inspired to practice with them in mind also. And I think that keeps me very much inspired to improve as a, you know, as a human being and as a teacher and as a student. Um, and I think that feeling good and being healthy 
is uh, is is not something to take for granted. So so I try and and connect with my body because that's one way that I make sure that it's not neglected. If I neglect my body, if I would neglect, not that I do, luckily I don't do that, but I believe that if you neglect your body, then you become a prisoner of it. If you take the time to be with your body, to feel, to feel it, to move, you know, presently with it, to accept it, to love it, to forgive it, whatever work you, you have with it, I believe that it is very liberating. So I like that feeling. <laughs> and so I keep coming back to it. But I, I don't think that for me it's ever been an issue of like, oh, man, I don't want to, to stretch or move today or breathe <laughs> deeply because it feels so good. So if I can find, unless, you know, because I'm also a mom now, is the only thing is, is that sometimes I absolutely have to choose sleep because I know that my body needs that even more. And for me, like I said, it's, I make it a part of my practice because I think of it as a deep kindness to my body to listen to it. So if my body says, hey, I need, you know, a two-hour nap, like now, that's that that takes practice too because the mind likes to say no no i don't want a nap i want i want this you know like i want to do if you're so i you want got to, stuff spend, to do. You know, yeah you got stuff to do or even if you're you know i'm sure you know if you've got a regular practice very devoted practice and your body is is used to it it can become also inside and this is what i mean that I like to stay away from is it becomes not gentle anymore, meaning it, uh, be, it can become addicting. Mm. Like your body becomes addicted to the feeling of like, I want this now. And so that, it, that, that is something I stay away from because I don't need to do, I don't need to do a handstand to feel present or to feel good about myself or, to feel good about the world that I'm in right now or to be kind to others. I like to do it very much and it, it's, but I also know that sometimes like uh, a nap is a better idea or just reading a book, you know? And so whatever I'm doing presently, whatever I'm present for, whatever I'm, I'm doing while expanding my awareness, I consider that very much a part of my practice. Yeah, um, I absolutely love the sentiment behind what you just said because it's something that I can absolutely relate to, and I and I've spoken on before. Um, I think it's very easy, especially with certain um, lineages and styles that uh, emphasize repetition and routine, mm -hmm. to get addicted to that feeling and to feel that you are not even in yourself until it's been done for the day. Yeah. And yeah. I, I was there, and. I have to say, to have escaped that feeling and that pattern is extremely liberating. And what a gift, you know, it's part of the process, I think, for, yeah. for a lot of people um, who practice yoga and, and get very interested in, in that process. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I just have to underscore that point, because it's, it's so important to me. Uh, so thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Uh, you know, one thing I'd like to talk to you a little bit about is you have this message that's very core to your teaching, uh, love and all is coming. Where did that come from? And um, how did that take such a, an important point on stage for what you're doing? Um, it's like everything else that seems to happen. Uh, it happened, I guess, uh, by accident. Um, I was making a post on Instagram as I do. And I think I was, you know, doing all my little hashtags, hashtag yoga, <laughs> hashtag, uh, whatever, hashtag practice and all is coming. Then I was like, wait a minute, uh, backspace, 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 love and all is coming. Mm, mm -hmm. That looks good. Yeah. 
I like that. I like how that looks. Yeah. I like how that sounds. I think that was like, I don't know, six years ago. Um, and it stuck, you know, I, I remember, I remember that first time when I was writing those hashtags and, and I decided to put in the love instead of the practice. Uh-huh. And then, uh, you know, I saw it, it really, wow, it like stood out to me. It was one of those moments, you know, where like, there is like a huge gap in your thoughts, and you become so clear and so present. And like, you know, that like, this is something, you know, and um, it was one of those moments, and I remember it. And then I just continued writing Love and All is Coming. And I, I don't know how, how it, you know, it's got like, so many posts under it. It's got like I think three hundred and eighty thousand different posts under under that hashtag. Which I don't of know course how... are not all you. No. <laughs> yeah. So it's all been adopted. No, it's been yeah. I mean, obviously, I haven't made that many posts yet, <laughs> but I, I, I mean, not yet. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. We have to give it a few more years. But um, but yeah, it's pretty cool how it it. It resonated with many, many, many people. And then because I always used it, I think it became, uh, um, not became, I think it, it, what it gave me was almost like um, it gave me, it was a gift, first of all. It was like a revelation and a gift because I know what I'm always writing about is the thing that's like most important and most real is love. Mm. You know, so it's like, what what should I write about today? Oh yeah, love. You know, so there there's no question. It gave me. Um, it's a gift. It's just a gift. I don't know how and why it came, but it did. And I I know that for me, it also it aligns deeply with who I am and what I. I I personally work on on a day-to-day basis because when I when I feel that I'm at a point where there are too many thoughts or you know too much attachment to something it's not real it's not love so it's very easy for me because I write so much about it and because I teach with that in mind and because there is um this beautiful uh, power that comes with sharing. And because this message has been well shared and it continues to be shared, there is a beating uh, and aliveness to it that, that helps me. You know, it, it keeps me and I keep it in a way, you know. But when you create something that others can truly connect with, it carries you, it helps you, it helps me every day. I think it helps others too that I get to speak to. Um, it's it's a it's it's just something that, especially for yogis, I think, just sits easily with us because we all know practice and all is coming, mm-hmm. and that's a beautiful. I mean, obviously, I I I love that. I love that so much, but I think that all is coming. Uh, has its own reminder, which is, is this action or thought or or doing or just being coming from a, a, a loving source? Am I connected to love right now? Am I? If the answer is yes, good, good. So don't worry about anything, right? Don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. If it isn't, okay, so change it. Love. Make So for me, it's a, it's a gift. I um, I want to go back a little bit to something that you said there because it uh, it was sort of surprising to me in in a in an insightful way. You said if I'm thinking too much about something, if there are too many thoughts attached to it, then that's probably not love. So, mm-hmm. so love is about simplicity to you. Is that right? Well, um, I love simplicity, but I think that when I say thinking too much, I mean, I, I, I tend to associate thinking or at least being lost in thought 
or being in monkey mind, mm. uh, being in a state where you're identified, your identity comes from your thinking or you're attached. You're not at a witness place, but you're, you're not at a place of awareness mm. or love, but you're attached to your thinking. Yeah, that's not, that's not where I want to be. So if I catch myself, which is, you know, in itself a, 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 a sign that I'm stepping away from that automatic sort of monkey mind state, if I become aware, hey, I've been, uh, you know, kind of like in my head a little bit. I need to step out of that. I need to make space. I need to see the space around the thoughts, the space between the thoughts, and then something changes. And then, you know, it's like what you said about when you realized there wasn't yet a, a, a podcast that you wanted to listen to, like as related to yoga and yogis, you know, it's because you realized it wasn't there, you know, so there was a space. And so for me, that's where love enters, is where we notice that there is an opening. And so in thinking, and what this is what meditation and, and, and the gentle practice can offer is uh, an opening or a space where creativity, joy, and all of that to me are, you know, part of that word love. Mm. It's very powerful, this, that, that idea of, of empty space. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I hadn't, um, I hadn't linked those two concepts before you, you put it that way, uh, that love comes from, from the empty space. But yeah. I, can, I can absolutely see what you mean by that. Um, and I, and I can tell that, you know, your, your decisions and, and your teaching come from, from looking for that space or not necessarily even looking for it, but identifying that space and, and coming in, coming in to fill it. Yeah. So talk to me about um how that how that message is is working its way into your teaching i know that you're teaching in a lot of different ways um you know you've got the instagram obviously where you share your words and your and your thoughts and your ideas about love um but you're also teaching yoga classes traditional classes and also teaching online i'm sure you have other things planned as well what what's what's going on in your world and how are you sharing that message out um well in in all the ways that you've mentioned so i i uh when it comes to to yoga and when it comes to uh teaching yoga i like i said what i try with every student that i you know sit across from at the beginning of a class I want them to know that the yoga practice comes from a place that they already have that is absolutely loving. It doesn't come from their any sort of identification with a temporary idea or thought or image that they have of themselves or of someone else if it does it won't last and it can also bring up a lot of pain so i like to tell people that they already have yoga they already have union with love with god with the universe and what the practice will do but taking time to move and feel the inside of the body, to stretch it, to strengthen it, to deepen it, the connection, what it will do is allow us to stop thinking for long enough that we can spend more time in that connection and then have more of a yearning to it on a day-to-day basis. So I teach from a place that I'm hoping is uh, is true and deep and that grows, obviously, as I grow. 
Um, I teach what I know. I teach what is important to me. And um, online, you know, on Instagram, I'm so thankful that I have this technology because I love I love it. It's it's really nice for me to be able to to connect with uh, you know with so many people all over the world to 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 be creative with taking pictures and meeting photographers and other yogis that otherwise I don't think I would meet and to write because writing has become also one of my ways to give and to share and to discipline myself because I try and write, you know, at least four times a week, you know, write a message that I feel is um, extremely, extremely true. So I really sit down and ask for the right words to come forward. And when they do, it's, it, it's just an incredible experience. And I love it. I love to do that. So that's another way that I, I do my love and all is coming. And uh, I've got my online classes. Um, and and I, I mean, we live in an incredible time, you know. I, I don't know. It's, it seems insane that we can do all of this. You know, we can share so much. And there are so many amazing tools that allow us to to connect and to to give in a way that otherwise it wouldn't be possible. Um, my favorite, obviously, is to teach in person. I love to travel to new cities as much as I can. My son has already been to 13 different countries in the world with wow. me. Yeah, and probably <laughs> around age? like... He's, uh, he's a, I mean, he's a year and five months, but he did it in under a year. <laughs> he hasn't traveled in a, in a bit. He's been to around eight states in the U.S. and 13 different countries. And so we travel a lot. It's really amazing to be able to do that. Um, it's incredible to go to a new place and, and to see faces that, recognize you and and smile at you and welcome you and love you it's an incredible experience to have in life um so we're very grateful for that and um and what's next is uh i mean i'm always i'm always dreaming up new things you know i want i want to be able to uh expand and, and stay curious and learn as much as possible uh, right now, what I'm most sort of excited about is uh, next year's first ever teacher training that I'm leading, um, and that's going to happen uh, in the summer of 2019. So in in just under a year, that's uh, that's yeah. So that's that's the the next big thing. Is that still in the planning stage, or are there details that you can share about it? For those who might be interested, well, um, I mean, all I can say is that it will, it will happen July of 2019, and I think that's that kind that information. I think I already kind of gave people um, uh, online, and uh, we're just waiting to to set everything up before we uh you know start taking those first signups mm-hmm. we're, we're just so excited yeah that's amazing um mm-hmm. you said we who who is leading it with you well i mean i always sometimes i do this but uh <laughs> you're talking about I your mean, family i'm saying me but also like i guess i speak for me and also for you know uh i don't do everything on my own so there's uh uh, right now, there's Hannah who's helping me uh, with the TT, and she's organizing everything. and And you'll see. I mean, I, you know, you'll you'll uh, you'll recognize some of the uh, places and faces helping me with this. Cool. That's very uh, that's very intriguing. Yeah. Um, and then just to go back on some of the other things that you said, uh, you know, I think Instagram takes a lot of flack in the yoga world for um, sometimes being 
as vapid as social media can be, but mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm with you. You know, I think it's such a powerful tool for connection and it really just depends on how you use it. Um, if you come at Instagram as, I don't know, just like a way to publicize yourself, then, then sure. But if you're using it as a way to articulate your thoughts, crystallize your own thinking and, um, and use it as a platform to teach, then amazing. And, and you can tell. You can tell if it's if it's coming through, like you said, when you go to a new place and someone automatically, before you've even met them, already feels that connection. So how cool is that? I mean, I love technology and personally think that it is not at odds with um, the the core principles of yoga. I mean, yoga is all about union and, and technology enables that. So um, I, ha- I agree with you so much on that. And I just... I always love when people <laughs> agree with me on it too. Uh, so thank Well, you. it's a tool. It's like, you know, some people just don't know how to use tools. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you, right. Can, you can have any tool. It doesn't mean that everyone is a great technician of that tool. Yeah. Most people on earth, unfortunately, misuse technology today. Uh, I don't think that most people use the internet or the many, many platforms and applications we have to better themselves or others. I'm not saying that we don't have a problem on social media. We have a problem. We have a problem with addiction. People are addicted to it. People are addicted to lots of things, addicted to sugar and addicted to uh, TV and addicted to shopping. And, oh, I don't know. The list goes on and on. Addicted to porn. People addicted, addicted to, to yoga poses. Yoga poses, addicted to everything, right? So there's like this obsession with clutter. And so let's take it back to the idea of space. People just want to escape any any space. They're afraid of space. They're afraid of uh, being present. And why are they so afraid of all the things that are so wonderful, actually? Uh, because they're identified completely with their ego and the ego is just another word for uh ego i don't mean like oh like that person is like a show-off there they have a big ego oh we all have an ego and it just means the identification with with thoughts so like oh i'm talia i'm 30 years old i'm a yoga teacher i have a son and a husband and i'm jewish Those are all words that are part of my ego. It doesn't make me a bad person. It just means that if I'm constantly identifying with that, and that's literally who I believe I am, there's a lot of fear involved, right? Because look at how many things can happen. Like, well, I'm 30. What if another 30-year-old looks better than me or worse than me? Then we start comparing because it has to do with measurements, things that aren't real measurements like age and time these are all useful things if we use them like tools like technology Uh, if we start to use them in a different way then it's a tool of fear and no one and and then you know we get stuck in it too because the ego only exists on fear if you realize that these things don't actually exist and they don't matter then the ego dissipates and that's the last thing it wants it wants to exist So it perpetuates fear. Mm -hmm. And so most people go on social media and they're like, oh, who is she to post that scorpion? Or like, oh, I bet she's just a tacky, horrible person. Or, you know, all the thoughts that go through people's head. Well, she must, well, if she can, if she's flexible and skinny, she must just be really shallow. She must be completely unintelligent I got her. I'll put her in this box, you know, mm. or or look at this person. They do this and this. I'll put them in this box. And it creates misery, disconnection, lies. It's not love, right? It's not space. It's not creative. It's destructive. It's hateful. And it's fearful. It's egoic. It's separating. Uh, it fragments all the worst things. And unfortunately, People go on social media, whether they're yogis or not yogis, doesn't matter. But probably especially teenagers, they go on and they're like, well, I don't look like that. 
you know, I don't have that. I don't have those lips or that waist or that car or whatever it is. And it's a horrible feeling because it makes you feel that if you don't have those things, then you are not worth, you're not worthy of it, of love. <laughs> it seems insane. But that is uh, kind of what goes through people's minds. And because they're so identified with that, they don't, it's unconscious. They have no awareness that, that they're thinking these thoughts or that they are actually so identified with the thoughts is that who they are is unsatisfied. Uh, so it becomes a very sad place and also very addicting because it's an addicting thing. And uh, I've seen it, you know, in people close to me. And when I catch myself, you know, just kind of like scrolling on my phone, I'm like, oh, my gosh, no. You know, and I and I like I put it away because that's not what I want to use it for. But it, it can happen. You know, it happens. You yeah. catch yourself like just like scrolling aimlessly and you're like, wait a minute, what am I doing? And so it can do that to you. It can do that to you. And in that way, I dislike, I dislike that social media captures people in like a net um, and like sucks them into it. And, and, and you get disconnected not only from people in f the physical world, but also disconnected from the people you see on the screen and you end up somehow judging or, or like, in the worst case, like hating, you know, you see like some people's like comments on, on social media where they just feel that, that, I don't know, like there, there's like this opportunity to unleash a lot of judgment and hate. So, yeah. so I don't like that. I don't like that aspect, but I think that if you can come to it from a creative place, from a loving place, from a sharing place, and from a place that is like moderate and disciplined, like, you know, you're not going to be on, on your phone the whole day, then it can be a very, very powerful tool, like incredibly powerful. And, and that's something that I am very fortunate to have experienced and to have witnessed myself. Like I can't, I can't even tell you how incredible it's been for me. Well, Talia, you're very, uh, you're very clearly um, a grounded, calm, and thoughtful person, and you have the wherewithal to be able to um, catch yourself if you do slip down a, a habit that you don't want to cultivate. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, we're all human. Um, even your favorite yoga teacher, your Dharma Mitras of the world, everybody's human who's here. So, has there been kind of a moment in in your in your path or your career where you've really struggled with um, whether it's dealing with the haters on social media or something entirely different where you really struggled to live the very things that you're trying to teach? Um, luckily, I've never had uh, like haters, you know, on social media. Mm -hmm. I've always been very like, well, I don't know, supported and loved. So I have like no complaints there. Um, but uh, I, I have, I mean, of course, I have many, I go through many things that I could put down under struggle. But I think that, uh, I think because I also see joy and pain as like, two sides it's like a wave you know mm -hmm. it's like one wave so if you try and separate you know i i read i i read this great book it's called the book <laughs> by by alan watts mm -hmm. he's a philosopher and uh you know he talks about the difference he talks about what everyone talks about which is oneness but it's always interesting to to read different people's take on it and how they describe that. But he talks a lot about the difference between uh, differentiation and separation. So just because something is different doesn't mean it's separate. So just because pain and joy can be perceived as 
different experiences doesn't mean they're not in fact the same event. Mm. They're connected. And this is something that he's warded beautifully. Talks about it almost like imagine you'd never seen a cat before. And he says, you're looking through a tiny little hole and you see, you don't, you've never seen a cat, so you don't know what it looks like. You don't know what it is. But you see through the tiny hole, you see like this long t- tail, you know, moving around. And then you look a little to the right and you see this head and, and you know, you can't see the whole shape because you're looking through a tiny hole. You can only see the tail when you look to the left and the head when you look to the right and you wonder, oh, how are those two things connected? Because you've never seen a cat before and you can't see the whole picture, you only see a tail or a head. You think those are two separate things and you wonder to yourself, how are they connected? When in fact, it's just the cat, right? It's one cat with a head and a tail and everything moves together in one organism and so in the same way I like to think of my moments (laughs) when I'm you know struggling as you say or when I'm experiencing pain which I do um, I, I see I let myself feel those feelings uh because they make the space and and to, to quote another beautiful book, uh, The Prophet by Kahil Kibran, where he explains, I think, pain in the most beautiful way. He says, pain makes the space for your joy. Without the pain, pain digs up the space where you plant your joy. So they are one, one event one experience and so fighting pain resisting it is insane is delusional is uh it just doesn't work it's not gonna work right so so uh, the best thing that you know that you can do is 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 re- surrender to it feel what's there to be felt and then when it's done, let it be done. The problem is, is sometimes people, okay, I surrender. But then you get in an ego trap, meaning, oh, but I want to suffer now. Some, sometimes people uh, confuse letting themselves feel their feelings with uh, now I'm going to be the world's best victim, you know? Because hmm. sometimes people want to be a victim because it gives them an identity, because uh, one thing that egos always want to do is be the best at something. So, like, if they can't be the best, uh, you know, winner, they'll be the best victim. Like, I, I suffer the most. I'm suffering. I'm suffering. I don't have this and I don't have that. And that person hurt me. My boyfriend left me for someone else. And so... That's a trap because now I'm just becoming the greatest victim in the world. So I don't mean that. I don't mean that, but I mean if something hurts in my life, I let it hurt. And then I find the space again, you know? It's like taking a deep exhale and finding the space afterwards and coming back to a place of presence where I'm not in my pain anymore. That's it. Yeah, it's it's impermanent, just like everything yeah. else, and an experience rather than an identity. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, Talia, apart from getting your message out on this podcast, what are you doing today to live your dharma? Well, it's uh, nine fifty eight p.m. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been up since uh, five, so uh, a part of my dharma today was sticking sticking to uh to speaking to you today even though i was i got back from i had a very full day and i got back from my oldest my oldest brother's birthday party and i was i put akiva to bed and i was so ready to be like okay i'm 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 off to dreamland you know i want to sleep now and i was like maybe i'll just tell henry <laughs> we'll do it another time 
but that's not me, you know? And as I was like, just can't you uh, postpone it to another day? And I was like, no, because I would hate if someone did that to me, you know? So, and I know that also it would make me feel better uh, and more energized and lighter to speak to you. And it has. So that's been a part of my dharma today. Well, I'll say I would have understood, but I do so appreciate you sticking to it. I'm <laughs> really grateful to have had the chance to talk to you. Uh, now seems like the perfect time to wind things down with the, the final section of the interview. Every, every week, I close the interview with what I call the prana round. And in the mm-hmm. prana round, I ask six rapid-fire questions and ask you to answer in one word or maximum one sentence. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, I'll do my best. <laughs> Sounds really intimidating. <laughs> no, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Okay, first question. In one word, why do you practice yoga? For love. What is your favorite yoga pose Words, and why? <laughs> love, uh, love, yeah. Wheel. Wheel. I love wheel. Uh, why do I love it? So many variations. I like to, I feel my whole body. I feel my legs, I feel my arms. I feel my backside body, my front side body. It's just awesome. I do it every day. I love a wheel too. I, I do wheel every single day too. What is the single best cue or piece of advice you've ever received from a yoga teacher? Oh, let's see. Um, hmm. Well, Dharma Mitra, I remember I was in his class and everyone was doing uh, forearm stand scorpions. And this was like years ago, I was looking around, I was next to Jared and I was like looking around at everyone. I was like, I can't do that. You know, that was my face was saying that. Mm -hmm. And he just came over to me and he said, it's easy. (laughs) That was it. (laughs) It's easy. And it's easy. It's easy. Just do it. You know, he just said that. And uh, from that day on, it was easy. And I did it. That's amazing. I love him. Yeah. Yeah. Recommend you've already recommended a few, so you can just um, recapitulate those if you like, or recommend one more book, modern or ancient, for our audience. Well, I have so many that I love, and I did mention uh, I mentioned The Prophet by Kahil Gibran, I mentioned the book by Alan Watts. Uh, I love Eckhart Tolle, and I would recommend very much reading his books uh, if you're interested in a little bit of what I was talking about today about the ego and and identification with it i would recommend reading uh, uh a new earth or the power of now uh and lastly uh if you like uh to learn more about love as the force of the universe i would read a return to love by marianne williamson okay that's a good list those will all be linked up in the show notes for anyone who wants to check those out and then um Next question is, is yoga for everyone? Hmm. Yoga is here for everyone. Yoga is here for everyone. It's, you know, it's available to to all. But not everyone. To perceive it, to notice it. Uh, there has to be a certain level of uh, stripping down, you know, before before one is going to be attracted to that, I think. It's here for everyone, sure. It's like, I don't know what a good metaphor would be. Maybe I'm even talking too much right now. It's supposed to be quick. But, it's okay. But, no, I mean, it's here for everyone, but is everyone here for it? No. Right. I like that answer. Okay, the last question is, how can our audience get in touch with you, and how can we support you in your dharma? Uh, well, uh, you can always get in touch with me on Instagram, on Talia Sutra. Uh, that's probably a pretty good way to uh, stay connected. I read all the comments, um, and uh, I, uh, I get a lot of DMs. I don't get back to everyone right away, but I do my best. So Instagram is a, a good way. Um, and you can support me by by 
by sticking around, you know, like if you find, if you like what I, what I share, it means a lot to me. Um, and I like that you are, I like, I like it very much when people, um, make contact, like write something. And, and when I start to see your name pop up a lot, then I feel like I start to get to know you more. And I've gotten to know a lot of people that way, a lot of, uh, yogis and a lot of new friends, because I just, always saw their names there like icon appear on my phone and then I was like oh who is that person and uh so that's uh that's lovely that's a great way to to stay connected or or to um to help support uh my dharma Talia thank you so much it's been a privilege to to have you on the show today um, loved hearing everything that you had to say about love and and yoga and teaching and I'm sure all the listeners will appreciate it too so I can't wait to share it out thank you so much thank you so much Henry it's it's been a privilege for me too if you got something out of this episode if you like Dharma talk and want to keep it going please do me a huge favor and subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. I know it's not the most convenient thing to do, but it makes all the difference in getting the show out there and more visible to other people who can benefit from it. And hey, if you've got feedback or ideas or you want to get in touch with me, you can do that on Instagram at HenryWins. Otherwise, I'll talk to you next week. And until then, keep living your dharma.